get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. Welcome in to the Party of Four. It is August, well into August, and that is why we are here doing another podcast. Ben Hutchison alongside Andy Michelson. How's it going? Good. How are you? I think you've been getting to the water parks lately. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to bring that up. <laughs> We've hit a couple of kids are at a perfect age, you know, 9 and 11. It's either water parks or baseball games. That's that's all we that's all we enjoy as a family. A controversial topic, the Wisconsin Dells. People love it or they hate it. You are? I love it. Okay. And uh, it's for me, it's because of uh, it just really brings back a lot of memories uh, as a kid. I mean, we were kind of broke as a joke growing up. So Wisconsin Dells, we would camp. It was just awesome. It's such a great spot. So now me, who just went there last weekend, who's like, I'm just not a huge fan of it. It's a lot of hoopla. Now I feel like a jerk because – those are your nostalgic memories. No, it was, I, we didn't kind of do the bougie, you know, Wisconsin Dells. We just did it old school. We we camped. We we would go to Noah's Ark. We would, you know, eat at Howie's Huge Breakfast. And, like, those are the things that, that just stick out in my mind. So I, every time I go up there, there's an excitement as a kid. And I'm sharing it with my kids, even though we're, like, doing it all the wrong way. We're staying at the nice water parks and stuff like that. You're going so, bougie now. I know I am. It's all, we're doing it all wrong. Well, it's the only choice now. It's, it's a shame. It's like Wisconsin Dells 2.0 It is. For you. It is. It's a shame. But it's good. It's good that you were able to get away for a couple of days. Golf season's extremely busy. Did you get to see the Field of Dreams game at all? I listened to it on the way on the way home. I wish I wish we would have seen it live. I, I think it was one of the best best games. I, I, I watched a recap of it. Man, it looks like one of the best games played this entire year. I mean, one of the most memorable games. I, I used to watch. I've made no secret about it. Field of Dreams is my favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time. Um, when I was a kid, back when there was tapes, uh, I watched Field of Dreams, uh, the tape, so much that my tape snapped. Uh, I'm guessing I probably have seen it 200-plus times. Uh, we watched it on the way up to our little adventure. So, uh, yeah, I felt like I was like, kind of reliving the past. It was, it, was, it was good. It was great. You have two Cubs fans sitting here, which we joke that they should play the Field of Dreams because the Cubs are already in Iowa, like the actual <laughs> Cubs. Uh, so no reason to do anything special. But it didn't even matter who was playing. It was the surroundings. It was the perfect sunset, the perfect weather, the I perfect love ending. They cheesed it up with Costner and everything Having else. Having to walk they, out. I So I'm listening on the radio. I'm like, oh, God, I hope I hope they had the guys walk out of the corner. And I watch the recap. I'm like, yes. They nailed they it. Walked out of the, they nailed it. I love how cheesed up they did it. And I don't care if I'll guarantee the fences weren't what they were listed. <laughs> I think they were all short moved with all out. the home runs. Oh, they wanted a bomb fest out there for sure. Um, but man, the way it, the way that it turned out, it's as good as the movie. I mean, what a great game! It was, uh, it was amazing. Tim Anderson with the theatrics there at the end. Well, and, and the right guys hitting home runs. You have Tim Anderson. You have Eloy. Don't you talk have, about him. Yeah, former Cub great. <laughs> you have last year's MVP. <laughs> you have Judge. You have Stanton. I mean, give me a break. Every guy that should have done what they did did it on that stage. It was awesome. It was a movie. That's it, what was. it was. It was. They had it was a to perfect script. So, do you think they go back and they decide to do it once a year? Do they try to do it three times a year? Does it? Because I think oh, I, I compare it to the Winter Classic with hockey. You had the Blackhawks at Wrigley Field, and 
you know, these big, awesome things. But I kind of don't look forward to those anymore as much. Before last night's game, I would have said, I hope they do it every single year, and I hope the Sox are the team every single year because that's yeah. the tide of the movie. I kind of hope they don't do it ever again because, like, that was such a perfect game. Or if they're going to do it, um, actually have it be a series every year where the fans could actually experience it. I mean, look, I am, again, the biggest Field of Dreams fan ever, but it really is kind of a, a kick in the gut when you look at a four-pack of tickets three days out, and it's eighteen grand. Yeah. This lowly golf pro is not, <laughs> not paying eighteen grand for four tickets. I was believe me, I was sitting there on Stub Hub though and, and still like looking at it, uh, even working up to the game yesterday morning, just to see if anyone anyone um just came on board for a second, but eighteen grand for four tickets. Well they did a lottery with the season ticket holders for right. the White Sox, so some of them got it. One of my friends uh, someone I know, he was able to go to the game because of his dad's season tickets, oh. and he's just posting oh. pictures. And oh. I'm really happy for him because he's a diehard Sox fan, diehard sports guy, sports writer. So it was really cool to see him. He said he's had all these experiences, whether he's working sports or you know just watching sports, and this is like clear top of the list. Uh, <laughs> There's no way to beat watch, it. Uh, just watching a recap, like it would have been absolute number one. By far, anything I've I've ever seen. I was fortunate enough. I went to a World Series game. Went to the multiple playoff games. Like, oh, it wouldn't have even touched this. I would have loved to be there. Pretty cool. I've actually never visited the original Field of Dreams field, but five times. You've been there five times. Yep. I was worried at the end, though. I have a friend, uh, my friend Zach. You might listen to this. He's a farmer in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I was worried about the fireworks impact on the corn yield at the end of the day. You're think, such a nerd. You think well, it was okay? Yes. Okay, I just want to make yes. sure they, they don't lose the corn. Although I'm sure everyone walking out of there, I did see a tweet there, they were like just taking corn and stuff as like the souvenirs. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure those fields kind of got a little beat up because you had all the fans walking through the corn stalks. For sure. I mean, <laughs> I would I would think they would let every fan at least have gone through the maze and everything else going, going to the old field. You know, oh, it's just, it's almost painful watching it because that experience would have been second to none. You think we should uh, talk some golf, probably. That's why some people might tune into this uh, podcast. We'll have our LPGA teaching pro, Nicole Jaray. She should be stopping through the studio here in a little bit, so we'll see when she walks in. We'll get to her. But uh, quick recap, because we haven't talked about it directly. We had the Olympics and golf there, U.S. taking gold in both men's and women's. Pretty cool. Xander Shoffley, big Callaway guy, Say he kind of ran away with it, although it got a little squeaky uh, at times. There, it was a very Xander Shoffley type tournament. <laughs> it honestly true. was, and he kind of felt like he was running away with it. Then eh, just kind of backed off a little bit. Obviously, the last day too, the conditions were super easy. He had, he had really low scores, scoring setup for or, or uh, golf course setup for scoring for sure. I mean, Sabatini ten or eleven under on that last day too. I mean, that was. Score, yeah, scoring condition was 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 right there for the taking for everybody. And then to have it end in, in the way it did with the the bronze going into the playoff as it did, and and seeing guys that like Rory, where he, he you know said, oh, it's just kind of another golf tournament. And then when he's done with it, he's like, I've never won so hard to get third place in my whole entire life. Um, was was really cool, and, and and obviously made an impact on the players. Now, if we hop in the next topic, which would be format, I hate the format. 
<laughs> I think the format is awful. Um, the way that can be done very easily is is run it like a college event, run it like the NCAA tournament. Um, there's no reason you couldn't give out multiple uh, golds, multiple silvers, multiple bronzes. Have it be a team format where, you know, in college you have five guys or six guys for four spots, right? Couldn't you do it where if you've got already three guys from your country there, so for instance, like we had three or four, right? Limit it to three, count two for the four rounds, so you can have kind of two tournaments happening at the same time. You have your team tournament, so you're going for team gold, and then you have your individual, and have it go at the same exact time. And that's that's been the primary feedback that I've seen from a lot of people is just there needs to be some type of team element. There's no team element to this whatsoever. So these guys are yes playing for the United States, but after their practice rounds are over, they're they're going to each other's throats. It just doesn't make sense to me. And a lot of these people play obviously week to week against each other, so that's where the regular tournament vibe comes from. But would you like to see a kind of mixed pairings type competition with a Xander Shoffley and a Nelly Corda or something against in a more of a bracket format if they had the time because there's two weeks and they're using four days would you like to see more golf events creatively I, I think it's uh yeah not like uh not like a drive chip and putt or anything like that but it, within the t- within the tournament framework I would love to see yeah. it where it was like a mixed yeah if there was like a mixed uh pairs or something like that that'd be super cool there's no reason that with that many athletes competing on the golf side that it has to just be limited to gold silver bronze just three of all the people that are competing when you have the opportunity to have a a good team event it feels truly minimal the amount of medals available compared to other sports where swimming is giving out 12 medals per relay race per se like it's crazy that for golf you have gold Silver, bronze. Thanks for coming. That's why it's like, it's hard to believe that the Olympic Committee is actually consulting with all of these other entities, and this is the best that they came up with. Like, it's almost like they thought about it for two seconds and went, yeah, we'll just run it like a normal event and just move on. It just, it doesn't have any, like, collective country, like, rooting for country format like the Ryder Cup does. Like I was going to the say, they got the Ryder Cup coming Right, up. they figured it out. The Ryder Cup's the perfect scenario. What are your biggest ratings, the Ryder Cup, every single year, or every other year, whenever it's uh, competed? So, I don't know. They they have a formula that's already been proven, and they don't do it. It just doesn't make sense to me. They can't do match play. I've seen a lot of people go, okay, why don't they do a big match play tournament? They're not going to do match play. Um you know, guys aren't going to go over there to get knocked out in the first round and then they're done. Um, it's just not going to happen. So match play doesn't make sense. But you can definitely do a stroke play format where the team is involved. I agree. And uh, on the women's side, Nellie Corda, I believe she went in as the favorite, like the easy favorite. She goes in, she wins gold. How hard is that? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's to, to have that expectation going in and then to actually deliver on it. It's not like her sister's playing bad at all either. No. Um, how how crazy is that though? Uh, sister combination being the representatives for the United States uh, at the same Olympics is is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, Nelly is Nelly's been hot. She's been hot all season. Uh, what's crazy though is the Cordes don't win more. Uh, they they really haven't won a whole ton uh, in their LPGA career, but it seems like they're they're starting to. But 
you want to see the best golf swings in the world, it's on the women's side. Both the quarter sisters have the best golf swings in the world, bar none, not even close. No one is a close second. They both are tied for first. If you want to learn how to play this game and play it the right way, watch the quarters. Don't just sit there and watch McElroy pound a 340 because you can't hit a 340. <laughs> so the the I've I've always thought this. I mean, the, the women's game is probably more well suits, more of the uh, better to average uh, male golfers than, than anything else. I mean, they're swinging it between 100 and 105 as far as club head speed goes, which is basically what most men swing the golf club at. And, and it, it's a better mirror of what your game could be than trying to match these guys on tour hitting a 350. And what do you know? Right on cue. Nicole Jure, our very own teaching pro coming off a big tournament, is now in the hot seat. Hey, Nicole, how's it going? Happy to be here. Yep, in studio, which is so different. We missed people in the last year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's so nice to not be wearing a mask and being close to each other again. So the real reason you're here, Nicole, you're coming off the U.S. Senior Women's Open at Brooklawn in Fairfield, Connecticut. How'd it go? It was so much fun to play golf again at that level and, you know, walk the golf course and play four rounds walking and practice rounds and seeing all my old friends from the LPGA Tour days. Um, I had so much fun playing, and then I played well, too, so that was an extra bonus. 71 on day one. Really put a number up there, which was nice. And what are the nerves like when you're going into a tournament like that? Well, I was um, very nervous the first day because I haven't really competed in a long time. Well, A, because I don't compete that much anymore, and B, because of the COVID virus. Um, But I did play the Illinois Women's Open a couple of weeks before that, so that was helpful to prepare me for for this um, event. And uh, I was very nervous the first day, and I just tried to stay in the moment, one shot at a time, best I could do, over every shot, and that seems to really help me. So, so how do you manage something like that? You know, you, know, you talk about being nervous, and I understand there's good nerves and bad nerves. Obviously, on a day like that, what's your kind of emotional pattern? Is it good nerves, bad nerves? Is it nerves of doubt, nerves of anxiousness? What is it? Uh, my nerves that day were more nerves of anxiousness. I don't think I was doubtful because. Um, I've been feeling pretty confident with my golf game, actually, even though I haven't played very much. Um, I just I, I kind of know my game very well. Um, but I wasn't sure what was going to happen out there because I haven't competed at that level in a long time. So um, I would say it's more anxiousness. But, you know, you just have to stay in the moment, stick to your routine, stick to your process goals. And I did that, and I wasn't worried about the result. I just worried about what I was doing over the ball every time or in my pre-shot. And that's kind of an important takeaway in my mind is, is nerves are a good thing. Nerves are an absolutely good thing. Absolutely. Nerves mean you care. Nerves mean that, you know, you want to do well. Yeah. It's okay to be nervous. Like, that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, I that it's, it's a great feeling. It's You're excited. You want to be there. You're like, it's, I like the nerves. The TV cameras make me a little more anxious. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about it, though, because you had a ton of people who know you, who know Mistwood, following you throughout the weekend, and everyone thrilled to see you make the cut, seeing you with the good numbers, hanging in the top 20. 
it was very real there, and it, it ended real, too, because you finished 23rd. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. I mean, of course, we always want to do better, no matter what, unless you win. <laughs> but um, a top 20 would have been a little bit better, but top 25 is pretty good. And I was up there a lot throughout the week, at the beginning, at the end, after, you know, in all different points. And what was super exciting for me is coming back to Mistwood and having all the members and everybody the employees, congratulations. It was so much fun following you. I've never in all of my years of playing professional golf had so many people excited and supporting me. That's that's awesome. I just, it was super cool. It's like one of my best moments um, ever in my whole career. That's that's, that's really cool. Um, so I'm going to nerd out a little bit. I, I, I wanted to talk course conditions a little bit because – I've played in the USAM, and, and I know when they set up USAMs, they try and set them up a little bit kind of as a preview for the U.S. Open whenever it's going to eventually get to that, that golf course. What were the conditions like? It looked firm and fast. Is that fair to say? Or, or what, what were the conditions like compared to what you would have normally played in the past in LPGA events? Or was there anything that surprised you? Um, well, it was in perfect conditions. In perfect it looked condition. like it. I mean, yeah, it, was it looked just amazing. Absolutely beautiful. The greens were fast. They were holding, but um, I think that they had to have it that way because there was so much slope to them and um, a lot of hills, and it just would have been a lot more difficult if the greens weren't holding. So that that did help us all play a little bit better. Um, it was it was kind of fast tee to green. We did have a little bit of rain in there, so. It, w- it wasn't running out dramatically, and the rough wasn't super long. Um, did, did they do it that old school way? I, I'm trying to remember back where half of the fairway was cut into the green, half was cut down green. Yes. Don't you hate that, though, if it, you get into the, in the, in the green it shots? It makes the fairway look really small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then you remember, okay, there's it. It is wide. It's like double what you think it is. <laughs> right. And then you do. You kind of want to get the down grain because it goes a lot farther. The into into the grain, it just stops. Yeah, it just time. stops. And then the isn't it isn't it t- tough to hit through? Like club kind of gets little stuck bit. The way through, right? I yep. I like the down grain much better. Yeah, I know. I think Mickelson in an interview I heard he was like nerding out. He talked about three or four yards takes it gets taken off at the Masters because of that. That little bit of into the grain. Yeah, in, in your shot. I, yeah. I bet it does because it slows the club down a tiny yeah. bit. Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get it on the green. <laughs> Is there one shot during the tournament that sticks out to you that that was my best shot? Uh, yes. So um, on number, I think it was the third round or the, I think it was the third round, the last hole, I hit it in the right bunker, and I mean, I hit my my my, my misses left all the time, so I always kind of aim a little right, and I finally hit it perfect. <laughs> I'm in the right bunker, and I get up there, and I'm like right up against the lip, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way. How am I gonna hit this out? So I got up there. It wasn't as bad as I thought, but I had a little bit of room to get my club on it. The pin is cut tight, you know. I did not miss it in the correct spot, and can't see but you know like the top of the flag stick and the tv cameras around so i'm super nervous about that and i want to you know you want to finish very well so i got in there in my sand wedge and i hit a perfect shot and the thing just went high and soft and landed about two feet from the hole it was the it was unbelievable and then i made the putt (laughs) and there was and there's not a straight putt out there even if you're two feet from the hole you still gotta play it outside the hole 
<laughs> crazy. And it was cool, I think, for everyone to see you rubbing elbows with some of the big names in women's golf, and we talked about that a little bit in the recap we did. Did you get to catch up or say hi or talk to any of the, you know, Annikas of the world? Uh, I did talk to Annika in the parking lot briefly, but uh, she was in a rush to go practice probably. But she did say hello to me, so that was kind of cool. Does Laura Davies still do the, like, chunks up the the fairway grass and then puts the yes. ball on top? Does she really? Yes. Tee it up. Yeah. She still does it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. What do you guys think of that? Uh, it's a superintendent's nightmare. I mean, it's outside <laughs> of that. You know, I th- I'm I'm guessing she does that to protect the left. I, I don't know if, if why she does it. I've I've never read why she does it, but it, I'm guessing it's to protect left because if you do that and you, you kind of tee it up a little bit, but not a whole lot, you're kind of swinging more down on it, and then the ball would would kind of fade, have a little bit more of a fade bias. I'm guessing it's protect left. Makes sense to based me. On our, based on her golf swing. It just feels imperfect. It's, it's so never going to be the exact same compared to when you put a tee down. Well, back in the day, they had these little mini flower pots that you'd put down, and it was, like, compacted. It was wet sand. So it was wet sand, and it was, like, a little mini flower pot, and you, you put the ball on top of that, and that's how you teed off. But she's doing it to a whole nother, whole nother degree, and she's done it her whole career that way, which is absolutely crazy. She and To me, she looks exactly the same how she always has from, from when I was a rookie to, to right now. Golf swing just, still looks good. Yep. Everything's, like, exactly the same. She, she never practiced. Well, I mean, I'm sure she practices a little bit, but she's all about playing. Play, play, play. I was shocked to see Lisa Lot Neumann get second. That was crazy. Lisa Lot Neumann is awesome. She's – I even – I mean, you, you know, it, it's nice that, that this tournament's, you know, been created because you see some of the names that you saw – 15, 20 years ago that you haven't seen in a while. And, and she was one of them was like, I haven't seen her in, in forever. It was just, it was really cool to see. Yeah. And she's super fit. And I mean, I think that makes a huge difference, which is one thing I need to work on so that I can continue <laughs> to do well, maybe even win one of these U.S. senior opens. Well, you do talk about that. We can kind of move to the teaching side of things now. Uh, you talk about fitness and everything. You're working with all the kids out there. Just talk about your summer so far. What have you been running? PGA Junior League, you've been jam-packed out there. Yeah, we all the teachers here are super busy. Golf is a hot commodity right now. Everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to learn to play. The juniors, I mean, there's like waiting lists to get into our programs because everybody wants to play, and we have such an amazing staff and facility that this is the place to be. So, um, our junior league, we had three different teams, and we were full. And um, the junior league is so much fun because the kids learn how to play and and compete at a fun, more of a fun level. Um, and and then we're just everybody wants to play golf. It's great. I love it. I love being busy. I love being wanted. <laughs> yeah, and just the we've talked about this in the past, even on this show, is the dynamic of what junior golf is. Just the the pureness of it is is just so beautiful and, and and how other junior sports you know i see it with my kids travel baseball teams and stuff like that it's just like everyone's getting crazy about it but golf is still you know just that that nice pretty sport that you can really enjoy and and, and parents are wanting to enjoy it more with their kids now that that you know with with the whole covid situation and especially more parents getting back into the the game of golf as well they want their kids to enjoy that that same thing so it's really been a nice perfect marriage we had these these guys and gals have been busy all summer. It might be a cliche question, but what do you love most about teaching? Whether, and is it different actually, is it different depending on the age of the person you're teaching? 
I, I like helping them. I like that they are able to get better. I love when they come back to me and say, oh, my gosh, I'm doing so much better. It's very rewarding. And then, and then just being a good influence on, on the kids, the high, the high school kids, the juniors, if, if I can make a difference in their life, to you know, whether it's give them some confidence or just encourage them in any way, even if it's not even golf, it's, it's super rewarding for me, and I, and I hope it makes a difference in their life too. Andy, you've talked about the same thing, just being down there, seeing the excitement, the enthusiasm. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's so much more than just the just that thirty minute lesson. It's being being influenced, especially in these the juniors' lives. I, I've always said I think we should charge uh, based based on satisfaction, <laughs> because a good lesson, a good half hour lesson, literally feels like it changes somebody's life. Like if you're completely miserable, hitting it sideways, and you get a get a good lesson in, man, and then you can spend the rest of the summer just puring it. And, and it's all because of that half hour that that person spent. So I think the impact, um, and, and I love that, that it doesn't go uh, unnoticed for you, the impact that you make on somebody is, is huge in, in just that little time frame. I'm still looking for the puring it type <laughs> part of my golf game. So I might stop down to see 20 Nicole. to a 15 and then 15 to a 10, like they're, they're gradual steps. Yeah, I'm hanging around the 14, 15 right now. So that's what works. Uh, before we let you go, Nicole, any other tournaments on the schedule or kind of just teaching here on the way out? I have one more big tournament co- tournament coming up, the Senior LPGA Championship in French Lick, Indiana. You've played there before, too. I have. And How are you I, feeling? I like the golf course. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, especially coming off the Women's Open, and I did well. This field won't be as competitive, and uh, it's another course that I like, so... Hopefully I'll play well. My body is still hurting a little bit from the, from the senior women's open, but I'll be recovered by uh, the end of August. So, Okay, end of August. We'll be for sure rooting you on. And, uh, is thank that you. a remote for you, Ben? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see what we can do. Maybe remote. Maybe we do a podcast <laughs> out there on the course. You never know. There you go. Well, thanks for joining us, Nicole. Always good to see you. I know you got to get out to another lesson right now, don't you? I do. Got one in six minutes. All right. We'll we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's exactly what I was hoping for when we tried to get her on the show, which sounds ridiculous because she works a couple hundred yards away from us. But they're constantly busy down there teaching. John Platt, Dan Phillips, Chris Iriati, some of the fitting pros, everyone, the specialist, even getting in on the teaching side of things. You're down there. Frank's down there. So golf, as we said, is in good hands. But we said – all right, Nicole, this is the time. She showed up right on time, and it was worth every second. Yeah, this was the uh, the open half hour that we we planned out uh, over a week <laughs> ago. But, yeah, it, it's it's important, too, for our staff to still be very – we've talked about this before. I mean, our staff is very engaged in golf and their own golf games, and I, I think that only makes for better better teachers and better experiences for for the students to, to have. I mean, there's, there's no – no wonder she's so busy, right? She's very engaging, great player in the past. And, and what I like most about Nicole is she's always learning. She always wants to know more and more and more. Always kind of, um, you know, getting with our staff, wanting to, you know, we talk about swings together. We kind of like, you know, when, when doctors talk about certain cases, we do that in, in the golf side of things. We get together, we talk about certain golf swings. Because not every swing is the, is the same, and not every diagnosis is the exact same in, in the golf game. So we like to work as a team as much as we possibly can. And if you're around Nicole, you can tell she is as genuine as they come because you'll be around some people, and you tell them something, and you're like, they really don't care what I just said, or they don't want to engage with what I'm saying. 
She's the complete opposite. She's so nice, the nicest, and she'll want to hear how you're doing or what can I help you with, whether it's golf-related or not. Common theme here is we hire golf nerds. We got, we hire a bunch of golf nerds because we love it. We love to be around it. We love to talk about it. There is no wonder that she fits in absolutely perfect with, with the staff here because we love to talk golf. We love to be around golf. We love to talk about your golf game. We love to talk about our own golf games. We just love to be around it. And that, that makes for a better fitting experience, teaching experience, and golf experience just in general here at Mistwood. It's the Mistwood atmosphere. Absolutely. The experience we talk what, about. What we work on all the time. Well, we're looking forward to the rest of summer into fall. Uh, the golf will continue. Can't wait. And we're going to be <laughs> dome season here, which is crazy to think. What are we, two months out on, on possible start of dome season? Yeah, we'll so have to see when we want to open up. Never stops, yeah. We wouldn't have it any other way, though. No, we wouldn't. Just like I wouldn't want to sit across from anybody else, Andy. <laughs> Love <That'll>, you, too. <laughs> we'll do it for this episode. We'll see everybody Good next heart. time. Right at us. Four! The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.